This is the Implant Games Podcast with Chris and Austin, the show where we talk about old school games, collecting, YouTube, and more. This is episode 52. You get blown into death. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Implant Games Podcast. I am your host, Chris Genthy, and with me as always is Austin Meckert. You oh. just got really loud all of a sudden. I am sorry. <laughs> uh, levels look good I'm on the just, recording. Just kidding, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's Skype. I blame it's Microsoft. A good, it's, it, it's a good way to, uh, you know, kick the show Ooh. off, Chris. All right. <laughs> Wake up! All right. We have uh, a fantastic show for you. We're coming to you one week late, uh, but for good reason. Do we? Do we really? what? We are one week late. Oh, that's right. You've got this whole thing planned out, and I'm just like winging it as always. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last week Saturday, it was last week Saturday, correct? I don't know. Was it? I don't know. It's in your bedroom. When did you get it? What's in my bedroom? Isn't there a new toy in your bedroom? Oh yeah, that yeah. that thing, my uh, my new smartphone. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I was thinking about that. You were the one that got me onto Virgin Mobile because it's thirty five dollars, no contract, cheap phones, and uh, unlimited text and data. Are you still on the Virgin Mobile network? Yes, sir. I uh, upgraded to a Samsung Galaxy S three. How much uh, of those now? This week. Uh, on Virgin Mobile right now they're like three three thirty nine. Um, normally they're four hundred. That seems pretty good. And um, but after tax and the expedited shipping, it was like three seventy something. But uh, yeah, I upgraded that. But no, I I know what toy you're talking about, and I got a new pinball machine. My second pinball machine over the weekend or last weekend. <laughs> Uh, the weekend we were supposed to record, and um, yeah, it's an old 1977 Valley 8-Ball, and it's an old game, And uh, but it, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Now, we talked <laughs> a lot about the um, the Rolling Stones when you got it, and your first one was uh, a newer machine. I think it's, what, 2011 or 12? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then how come you decided to go ahead and get uh, you know a vintage one? Well, because I play a lot of pinball competitively these days, uh, whenever I play in a tournament with a classic game, I usually get destroyed on it. Um, I mean, I have some good games here and there, but I'm, I'm much less consistent on the older games. They have a completely different different feel than the newer games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to get a second game that was an older game to practice on. That way, when I went to a tournament... I at least had the feel down, mm-hmm. you know. I was I was comfortable with the feel of the old games. So, and uh, there's a couple of techniques you can do on the older ones that are really really difficult to do. Like if you have the ball in a flipper cradled, you let it roll down a little bit, and you just slightly tap the flipper, just give it like a baby tap. It'll push the flipper up just enough just to feed the ball right over to the next flipper. It does like a little hop over to the next flipper. Yeah. And you can't really do that on the modern games. I mean, it's possible, but it's not something you'll ever want to try to do in a tournament. But on the classic games, it is something that you can try to do. It's much more controllable and doable on a regular basis. So lots of little techniques like that uh, I wanted to be able to practice on. 
and ha- you know the best way to practice is by having a game in your house that you can practice it on you know uh, rather than having to go out to a location where you're paying per game and yeah. you're less inclined to experiment because uh, you're paying money to play so it looked uh, yeah. uh, from your video to be in really good shape. A little bit of wear and tear on the outside, uh, but the inside actually, at least from your video, looked pretty pretty mint, pretty good. Yeah, there's there's actually uh, right in front of the slingshots. It looks like uh, the playfield was kind of dug up a little bit, and it was painted over poorly, okay. and some mylar coating was put on top of it. Uh, but aside from that, everything else on the playfield is in excellent condition. Um, it's really surprising because this thing is like 36 years old yeah. or something like that. And, uh, the cabinet, yeah, it's got some issues, mostly in the front. If you see, if you watch my video, which I'm guessing we'll probably tag, uh, or put in the show notes, yep. I, uh, it's, you could tell it's kind of rough on the front, but that's where, you know, if this was in like an arcade somewhere, that's where people were kicking it and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and you know, shaking uh, the crap out of it. Yeah. If you actually look up, close to it you can see where someone has like etched tried to etch their name into it things like that <laughs> so i i think that um uh the guy i got it from he doesn't think it was ever on location at a bar but i'm thinking it was probably on location at some sort of arcade because Laundry it did come out or... yeah it came out at a time when pinball was kind of really popular again or getting really popular i guess in one of its first booms i think um and uh so, yeah, but uh, the side art is actually in pretty good condition, aside from the wear next to the flippers. Um, but the other thing is I can actually just apparently just buy some acrylic paint and I can sort of fix it up. Mm-hmm. And so I'll probably end up doing that down the road and see how that looks. So get it looking even nicer than it is. But, yeah, Playfield's looking great. Um, and two nights ago, like I mentioned in the pre-show, I actually... Took everything out and replaced every single bulb in the game, mm-hmm. which are, there actually weren't that many because it's an old game. There's not a ton of lights on it. It's not like the newer games where this, where there's like 150 plus bulbs. But um, yeah, I, I did that the other night. It's shining a little bit better. Uh, I also cleaned out the little inserts underneath the playfield where the lights go into. Uh, a lot of them were really dirty and grimy, so I cleaned all those out, and now the lights sort of shine through the plastic a little bit better. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've definitely uh, put some time into it. I had to replace the tilt bobber because, actually, there wasn't a tilt bobber in it. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the downsides. Um, but I'm not really complaining because um, you like to be able to move the machine around, and on these older games, the tilts are usually set so tight that you can't, even like slap the machine so um yeah and aside from that that's basically it everything was working pretty well um no real serious problems and that's kind of like one of the reasons why i wanted this specific game is i knew who i was getting it from and uh it was in really good shape and everything works and, and it's just yeah, called i can't April? complain yes sir mm-hmm. i like the is it what is it called back glass yeah, mm-hmm. it's very like classic '60s or '70s style art. There looked really nice. Yeah, yeah. Very, very different from the Rolling Stones, but it's kind of fun to see the yeah. uh, the difference between you know '77 and uh, a table 30 years older. Yeah, absolutely. the The classic games they have their own particular kind of charm. Mm-hmm. Um, most uh, actually, well, yeah, pretty much all of the artwork on them was hand drawn. Um, I mean, you have no silkscreened, like, digitized art from Bravado's, like, yeah, <laughs> Rolling no Stones catalog, you know? And... Yeah, exactly. Um, so, 
the older games definitely have a specific charm of their own that you don't get with a lot of the newer games. Um, the new Metallica game is is the uh, kind of the exception to the rule these days. Uh, they got a guy to do completely original art for that game, and it looks oh, nice. It looks like a huge step above the other games just because of that from a, a visual perspective. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a gameplay perspective, it's yet to be seen because it's only been out for a couple of months and the rules aren't solidified yet. They're still working on the rule set. So, but, um, yeah, uh, you don't really see the hand drawn play fields in art that much anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem with like the Photoshop stuff though. I mean, I like how the Rolling Stones cabinet looks and I like like the Lord of the Rings cabinet and, and the ACDC cabinet, things like that. Tron. But uh, there is something a little bit, you know, kind of lost by not having completely original art. So, but I don't really mind that much. But. Sweet. So I assume in the future we'll have uh, another video. I can't, I can't even remember your video if you went through and explained all the rules all the way or if it was brief. No, it was all the way. It was like okay. an hour long video. Uh, um, you know what the problem and is? Actually, actually, I'd like to... Uh, Give a shout out to uh, the Pinball Soul podcast, and I think I meant to do this last episode, but I didn't. But uh, he actually found my my Rolling Stones gameplay video, and he plugged it on his podcast. And they've he's got an interesting podcast. The guy over there that does that, and uh, he'll actually stream audio from the videos that he's talking about. So and there's like a five minute little snippet of me talking from that video <laughs> on his podcast. And awesome. Uh, so we'll have to plug him. Uh, check out his podcast. Great, great podcast. Actually, he's very uh, lots of variety and uh, we'll really, a... really good podcast. It's pinballsoul.com. So check that out. But yeah, my uh, Rolling Stones video got featured on there um, a few weeks, maybe about a month ago, I think. And uh, that was a nice little surprise. Um. So yeah, um, I might do a, a gameplay video on the eight ball. I'm not sure. Um. The only problem is I don't have nearly as much room around the machine yeah. to mount a camera as I like I was a lot more flexible with Rolling Stones because it was it was in my kitchen I can move the table out of the way and <laughs> but uh where the eight ball is in my bedroom I don't really have that option so we'll see what I can cook up I might be able to you know sit a stool right next to it and put the camera on a long uh mount but we'll see I don't know I, I thought about it but I think that video I made the other night will kind of fill that void because you see a little bit of gameplay there as well at the end Mm -hmm. moving on also in the 70s you and i have uh well i in particular have been playing a lot of really old stuff i don't usually have a lot of interest of things pre-nes because i didn't really grow up with it and you know i was just born when it came out but uh, (laughs) you put out a video of princess or rescue princess princess rescue i've already forgotten and you've been playing it all week. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Princess Rescue, I'll assume. That sounds more correct. Um, it was a fan game on, released by AtariAge.com on the original Atari 2600. And I pay almost no attention to the 2600 scene at all. Um, and I don't really even pay attention to Atari Age's front page, uh, even though I browse the forums a lot. Um, but you posted a video of uh, Princess Rescue, and it actually absolutely blew me away. It was uh, a fan-made the original Super Mario Brothers, like a remake or reimagining on the 2600. And uh, you put up a video, beat the game, and uh, I watched the entire thing, and I, I had to have it. I immediately 
Uh, bought it. <laughs> I think I might have waited one day, and I'm like, I can't wait. I have so to have this what, now. What, what did you think of it? It is. It's amazing, really. Yeah, and to I be mean, quite you honest, actually, you're actually enjoying it from a gameplay perspective, and yep. It's not. It doesn't. You know, control exactly. You know, it's limited. It's a 2600. Yeah. But I would say it's probably the most advanced 2600 game I've ever played. I'm not sure if that's fair to say. No, I think it's perfectly fair to say. It's something that, like, if you watch my video, I'm just, I'm blown away pretty much through the entire yeah. video because there, he's throwing things at me that I didn't really expect, didn't expect to see on a 2600. Like, uh, just the variety of enemies. I mean, you've got Goombas, you got the hard-shelled guys, you've got the actual Koopa Troopas, you've got the Thwomps that come down from the ceiling, and you have boss fights, mm-hmm. and there's actually a boss pattern. It's it's not just like he moves up and down the screen the whole time, and that's it, and you have to hop on him. He actually will jump over, go into a shell, roll around the floor, just like he does in Mario 3, get back up, hop over again, depending on where he is. It's Wow, it's just like you didn't you didn't really see that sort of thing on the VCS. I mean, and background music, like legit background music. Yeah, yeah, and well, it sort sounds- of. <laughs> it gets a little uh, a <laughs> little, too little crazy. Yeah, a little a little it's weird sometimes. But though. but yeah, it's just using the TIA sound chip inside the twenty six hundred, which really isn't capable of much at all. And you know, he pulled off music. Like, when you get down to an underground level, you hear... Mm-hmm. But it's like in that grindy, like, <laughs> Atari, Atari 2600 away. saw waves. Like, gah, 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 gah. and it's... <laughs> you're just like, yeah! You hit, get the flagpole and it plays the correct sound. <laughs> yeah. It's... I was uh, blown away. I actually didn't think I was going to play it for a while, but it came in. And uh, I have a an Atari Flashback 2. Which, for all intents and purposes, it's a real Atari 2600, um, you know, just on a new chip and, uh, you know, new plastic. But it's it's the legit experience. It's not emulation. And there's, you know, a couple games I like on that. Yars Revenge and um, Activision's shooty game. I forget what it's called. Yeah. And, um, so that's really all I ever cared about. You know, a couple of fun games. I have it. It's interesting. Um, so... Karen's like, well, we have to go find one then. So I went to all the local used stores and found a, a bundle for a reasonable price and was able to play it. Yeah. Of course, it had no RF modulator box, so then I had to go to um, Radio Shack and buy one of those little connectors so I could connect it to the back of the TV. It's like a little yeah, RCA that, to coax connector. It's, yeah, like a coax connector. You basically want that anyway because it gives you uh, a better, better connection on your signal. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got that for my 2600, so there's no going back after you've got that. Yes. Um, unless you AV mod it, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, that'll be in the future, so I can record. <laughs> but no, seriously, amazing, amazing game. I was really blown away. It uh, takes advantage of the, uh, if you plug in a Genesis controller, it'll actually recognize the C button in addition yeah. to the B button. Th- that that in itself is a huge improvement. I mean, it's Without just... that, the game wouldn't be playable. I couldn't imagine pressing up to fire and go faster. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, just having that second button, it makes it feel like it's not even a 2600 game because mm-hmm. you're not used to hitting a second button, having that flexibility. And, um, yeah, it's such an awesome game. Did you see his, uh, his video of his work in progress, Sonic the Hedgehog take? No, is it amazing? <laughs> yeah. I'll have to, does he have a blog or something? Um, 
I don't know. I know he's on Atari Age, and if you go to his YouTube channel, you can uh, stream the video. I'll shoot you the link to his YouTube uh, Sonic the Hedgehog video after the show's over. Okay. But yeah, Princess Rescue, it's 30 bucks on uh, AtariAge.com. You'll get a, you know, a full reproduction cartridge and a, a full color manual. And uh, the game's really fun. I haven't actually beaten it yet, which is kind of sad. I think I've gotten to 4-2. game goes up to level 4-4. And, yeah, well, uh, I mean, you're towards the end of the game, but it actually gets—it's actually pretty challenging. Some of the levels are actually pretty, pretty tricky. Yeah, so. you've got to be patient, learn patterns, uh, some precise jumping, and precise falling. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all really, the, really good. Uh, the controls can be a little unresponsive sometimes, um, and that can also kind of attribute to towards your death in the game, but. Uh, overall, some... it's an excellent game. I definitely recommend you guys check it out. Oh, uh, and good news, Chris, is uh, he actually released the binary oh, that's for right. the game. So you can actually download the ROM if you don't want to uh, buy the cartridge. And Chris, I'll shoot you the link to that. So yeah, you can play that on an emulator or for the one of you listening that has a 2600 flash cart, you can just pop that on there too, which is really cool. Um you know, anytime somebody kind of releases their work like that, um, for everybody to enjoy, uh, you know, mad respect. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things, Austin, I really like about it is there's actually a lot of depth to it because of the limitations of the 2600. It can only display, I believe, like three sprites on the screen. So Mario is one sprite, and then sometimes there are like two Goombas on the screen. Um, so you can't get any hidden items like the stars and the coins and the extra lives. So what you kind of got to do is, you know, if you know there's a secret item, you kind of have to clear the enemies off the screen and then start breaking bricks with your head um, to try and find those secrets. So I find that mm-hmm. aspect of it pretty cool too. Hmm. Interesting. So if you ever noticed, you know, sometimes there's, you know, you never get an extra life mushroom while well, kill everything on the screen and then maybe you'll get more lucky. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's randomly generated or if it's uh, built into the levels. I haven't really figured that out yet, but uh, I found that really interesting. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah it's a limitation of the Atari. can only do so many things at once. Yeah, absolutely. So that's really all I have to say about Princess Rescue. But I also, Austin, got uh, Miss Pac-Man. It was like two bucks, so I bought that as well. Um, I knew the original Pac-Man is supposed to be terrible and, you know, contributed it's, to the crash not, of the game industry. It's not as bad as people say it, but it's, it's yeah, I mean, there's far better versions of Pac-Man, so yeah. little reason to play it. But Miss Pac-Man, I think, was actually a little bit better on the VCS. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Really, really good. Really strong. Yeah. I think, uh, didn't put the photos up on the Implant Games Facebook page, so the couple of you that are friends with me on Facebook probably got to see the pictures I put up of... Um, of it all hooked up. So, uh, Miss Pac-Man, really, really good version of it. Uh, rather enjoyed that as well. We actually, I bust, I dragged out the old CRT and I have it on, uh, our kitchen, I don't know, the part of the kitchen counter that kind of hangs out. We kind of use, put a couple bar stools there, but, uh, <laughs> put the, uh, CRT there along with the 2600 and the TI-99 that I got. <laughs> now, I actually got this a while ago. I didn't talk about it on the show because um, when I got it, it was in pretty rough shape and uh, I wasn't really ready to talk about it because I didn't get to play the games in a very good way. So the TI-99 4A, I guess it would be called. I'm not really sure how popular that is with the retro gaming community, um, but I got a, I went to the local store. He didn't even have it out. He just said, hey, you know, there's only a couple people I think would buy this. Would you be interested? And I'm like, not really. And then uh, 
you know, I'm like, you'd have to give it to me, a, you know, at an impulse buy price. So I got a box TI-99, TI Invaders, a three-in-one cartridge adapter, which lets you plug three cartridges at once into the system. And then there's like a switch to select them along with a speech synthesizer. Now, unfortunately, when I got it, the uh, keyboard, a lot of the keys did not work. And again, the RF modulator did not work at all. I actually wasn't sure if the system worked at all, but uh, I finally got it hooked up to the TV and then cranked the volume and then just pressed buttons on the keyboard until sounds started happening. And then I realized it probably worked. Um, so I went online to try and find uh, the pinouts on the motherboard that would give me composite and audio couldn't find anything. I guess most people just buy a specially made cable for it to get composite video out. Um, but I was able to figure it out, drilled some holes in the case, and added some composite jacks to it so I could actually play it. And then I learned the third problem with the system, which actually isn't the system's fault, but the controllers on the TI-99 are awful. Like, really, mm -hmm. truly awful. Yeah. Like, I really don't care for the 2600 stick. You know, I'm sure people that played it back in the day don't, you know, it's just second nature to them, but I find it quite uncomfortable and just doesn't feel right. And uh, these things are just awful. They actually have like a spongy disc underneath the button and underneath the um, the stick itself, like a, th a layer of foam for God knows why. So instead of, you know, springs or some sort of button, it's it's a disc of foam. And that's what it feels like. It's it's truly awful, and I I couldn't play the, any of the games that a I disc have. Disc of foam. <laughs> There's actually a video. I believe Nice and Games did a video where he opened up the controller, and then there it was, foam. Like yeah. Literally underneath the button, foam. And when you press hard enough, then the foam touches the contact, and that's that. Really awful. So uh, the next thing I wanted to do was actually uh, I wanted to put a connector on the TI-99 so I could plug in a Neo Geo arcade stick to it. Because um, the Neo Geo arcade stick, the original controller for the Neo Geo AES, doesn't have any logic chips in it. So it it's just, you know, every pin on the connector is a specific function. There is no coding. Like on an NES controller, you've noticed there's more buttons on the controller than there are pins on the end of the NES controller. So it's actually, there's like a logic chip and, you know, it'll be like 101010 and that means like up and B are pressed or something and that's how the game reads it. Um, so I uh, wasn't able to do that, uh, but I did make a controller adapter because all these old systems just use standard connectors. So you can go to Radio Shack or eBay and, you know, find the connector um, that you need. So I am now playing my TI-99 with composite cables and a Neo Geo arcade stick. And now it's actually a playable machine. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. And I fixed the keyboard. It was just dirty. I had to open it up and get all the dust out. Yeah. It was stopping the keys from pressing their contacts on the on the board. <laughs> so I don't know. I know you have a TI-99, correct? Yeah, I do. It's. Um, I think it was overheating. Um, so, yeah. The, um, the power adapter or the, I don't know what you would call it inside... Whatever I'm looking for. I can't remember. It's right in front of the cartridge slot, and it gets very, very hot. So I wouldn't recommend playing it on carpet or anything, but it should be fine on a countertop or a desktop. Yeah. And uh, the three games I got, um, I ended up going back and buying two more games. So it seems like they're the most popular as well. TI Invaders, which is obviously a Space Invaders ripoff. Munchman, which is kind of like a reverse Pac-Man clone. And um, Parsec, which is a really, really early... Side-scrolling shoot 'em up. 
Yeah. Um, TI Invaders is that is amazing. Um, so I didn't know that's what Parsec was, a side-scrolling shooter. I'll have to check it out once I get my system working properly. Yeah, and uh, it uses the speech synthesizer as well, um, and so it'll talk to you and tell you stuff's about to happen. Um, I don't have the RF shielding in mine anymore because I needed the room for modding it. So uh, I believe the speech synthesizer needs that shielding for its ground. I'll have to look into it a little bit more, but I played it without it. Um, it's kind of flawed, Austin, because you can't be holding in more than one direction at once. So if you're going up and accidentally bump like up right or up left, your ship stops moving completely. Um, so it's, it's going to take me a while to kind of get around that concept of you know being extra precise. Um, yeah. But it's early. I would recommend looking at YouTube videos. It's pretty simplistic. A couple enemies at a time. Your ship kind of moves a lot slower than the enemies, so you really have to recognize patterns. Um, the only thing I can really compare it to another early side-scrolling shooter is Scramble, which I have on the Vectrex. And uh, Scramble I absolutely love and find it to be significantly better in every way, but maybe we'll give it some more time and see if it gets any better. Yeah. And then uh, Munchman, instead of eating dots like you would on Pac-Man, you kind of leave dots, or in this case, a chain behind. So you mm-hmm. have to fill the whole play field with dots instead of eat all the dots. But it's effectively the same game. Yeah. Um, but just as a comparison to like the Atari, I mean, it's infinitely more powerful. The graphics are a lot sharper, and everything can move a lot faster and smoother. So Yeah. So those are the three games I got for my TI-99. I don't know if I'll get any others. I didn't even really want to buy it, but for 20 bucks, I figured why not. But I've been having fun with it. Yeah, 20 bucks is about the, the going rate for a complete system, uh, boxed and everything. So. Yeah, they're not worth much. No, not much at all. I'm not even sure how many good games there are. I'll have to go back and watch Nice and Games. I think he's done a lot of TI-99 videos. Yeah. Actually, he is where I've heard of the system. Without him, I would have never known what it was. Whenever anyone said TI-99, I always assumed it was some sort of calculator. Yeah. Because that's how they name all their calculators. (laughs) Alrighty. And then, uh, okay, so that covers the 70s, Austin. Anything to add? Covers the 70s. (laughs) 8-ball, pinball, Atari, and TI-99. We'll see. Maybe I'll put up a video... If I get good enough at TI Invaders, the game's brutal, so we'll see. I think I've only gotten to, like, the fourth or fifth level. Yeah. And I don't really know what a good score is in that game. I mean, like, an average score for an average person, not, like, a diehard fan. Yeah. And Austin is on the internet forum somewhere. (laughs) See? (laughs) I don't know what he's doing. Alrighty. Listening to you, Chris. Yeah, it's good times, good times. <laughs> You're playing the role of Austin this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot to say. Did a lot of work to that TI, and now I just need to get a magic eraser and uh, clean the damn thing because it's filthy. Yeah, I've got uh, some little mini heat sinks I'm going to try to put on mine and hope that fixes the heating problem. Um, I had somebody post on my TI-99 video a while back about you know all the things that could possibly go wrong with it. Um, but I'm hoping it's just, you know, heat. So does it like reset itself or it just gets hot and you get worried? uh, Okay. It starts glitching up. Yeah. So, and, um, oh, here's something I didn't know about the Atari 2600 Austin. The end of the cartridge is like this complicated mechanism to stop dust from getting inside. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, my princess rescue cart, I put it in, play, everything's fine. I take it out. And then like that, all of that stuff was like stuck and I couldn't get it out. And yeah. uh, it once it has to be like closed and sealed back up before the Atari would, you know, take the game again. So I had to like kind of tap it hard into my hand to kind of get it all to reset. Yeah, I actually yeah. had to mess with mine a little bit to get it in. After um, about 10 times, it seems to all be loose enough now where it works like it's supposed to, but it was something I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I mean, there must be some, I mean, it's weird. Not only is it just, you know, a spring-loaded thing that goes up and down, but there's something that must come from the side. Kind of yeah. clear that hole where the uh, the cartridge connectors stick out. It's all very weird. Over-engineered. Didn't need that on the old NES. No. <laughs> Even the TI has some, you know, that, that plastic bit on the end to try and protect the cartridge connectors. Yeah. Alrighty. What do you got, Austin? What have I got? I've got, uh, uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I actually wanted to mention uh, something. I was, you know, I got my new smartphone the other day. And so what I did was I downloaded, re-downloaded all my existing games. Um, but then I also went on a buying spree and I bought a bunch of games as well. Um, and, uh, why the hell does my Wi-Fi keep coming back on? Stupid phone. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you remember that uh, the Sonic CD remake from Xbox Live Arcade and smartphones and whatnot? Uh, it was like a year or two ago they released it. Yeah. Um, well, the same guy that did that for Sega just they just released uh, the original Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, kind of remade like the Sonic CD remake where mm-hmm. the play field stretched out so it fits your entire widescreen television. Nice. Um, it's got like sharper graphics. It's uh, You can unlock Tails and you can play as Tails and Knuckles in the original Sonic the Hedgehog. Awesome. Uh, they put the spin dash back in and you can disable it if you want. And... Um, the frame rate on the bonus stages is like 60 frames a second. Oh, nice. So in the original, <laughs> you, I mean, you were just playing this game like uh, two weeks ago for yeah. your Let's Play. And, uh, you know, the bonus stages, it's kind of like... It's choppy. They, it's choppy, but they they made it so where it rotates like super smooth. And uh, when I first got to it, I was like, oh, man, that's actually <laughs> kind of cool. Awesome. <laughs> So I wanted to make you aware of that. You might want to check it out. Uh, it's only three bucks on the Android Marketplace, and uh, I don't think they're going to bring it to consoles because they already have the like, the old vintage arcade classics, whatever version that they released back in like '07 or '08 or something like that. So, but um, really cool stuff, and uh, you can actually. When you load up the game, it shows like your cartridge modeled in 3D and your box, and you can actually change the box art and cartridge art from Japan to America to the UK, which is pretty cool as well. Nice little touch there. And there's some unlockable options. They put a time attack mode in, um, which was something you didn't have in the original Sonic the Hedgehog. And it's really cool, really nice. Um, I was really surprised by that. Um, all right, moving on to you did a Let's Play, which I haven't finished watching it because it's an hour and 44 minutes long, but I'm about halfway on Batman Returns for the Sega CD. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, I've picked this up, uh, I've owned this game, or I own this game, but I've only ever played the uh, racing stages because that's really all I cared about. 
Um, but you've went through the whole game, the racing stages and the platforming stages, and uh, put together a video. You actually make the game look really, really good. But <laughs> it, I, I, th- I think it actually is a, a pretty good game when you know what you're doing. Yeah. But when you don't know what you're doing, I think it's it could be extremely frustrating. Yeah. Not so much in the earlier stages. I mean, they are they're pretty easy to learn you know you learn where the enemies are you play it a few times you get better each time you play you get a little bit farther each time you play but the later stages are really tough and really annoying and with the addition of the driving levels the the game's length is basically doubled from what it was when it was just a cartridge game yeah and so you know it'll take you an hour and a half or an hour and 10 minutes to get to the final stage in the game if you can get through it without continuing and then you get demolished, destroyed, and then you have limited continues. And so you're shot back to the title screen after you continue a few times. And then you've got to do it all over again. It's just not, not a great setup. They should have done unlimited continues. I feel, but, uh, I, you know, once you know what's going on and you know what's coming up and you have a really good grasp on the game, I think it's, it's a really sweet game. And, uh, yeah, I'm a little nostalgic towards it because it was one of the, it was in that first bundle of Sega CD games I got when I got my Sega CD back in seventh grade, and um, the music is excellent and the driving scenes are, are awesome. I love the driving segments in the game. Um, Watch, they watching, look very yeah. No, watching the driving sections in that game kind of upsets me that that engine wasn't actually used in a racing game for the system because the scrolling of the objects on the side and the realistic way the track comes at you and the controls actually were really solid as well kind of disappointing that that wasn't really used more nobody else yeah it's not a lot of games that take advantage of that scaling and it looks really really good yeah no it it looks fantastic uh it was used in cliffhanger Oh, uh, God. <laughs> snowboarding segments. And I'm actually going to do a video on... It's, I think it's going to be a new series called, like, Let's Attempt to Play. Yeah. Have you played that? <laughs> a game. And, yeah, I actually have it. I bought it a few weeks back for, like, two bucks. Yeah. And um, it's, it's Cliffhanger. It's such an awful game on the Sega CD. It and is. part of it is because of the snowboarding segments where they use that scaling technique. Yeah. And... It's the segment is just ridiculous. It's uh, you'll you'll see what I mean once once I get to it and I play it. It's just extremely extremely difficult and yeah, it's it's just stupid design choices in that game. But uh, yeah, I, I mean I don't know if they should have used it for like a genuine racing game or anything like that. It's got um, I think if they made like an outrun style racing game, it would have worked perfectly. But yeah. I don't know if it would have worked that well for like a track oriented racing game like a legitimate racing game like racing racing but uh i don't know it's just because of how it like feels and controls it's how the car acts on the road um although they did make a batman and robin sega cd game and it is all driving levels and i'm not sure if it's using the same scaling engine as uh in batman returns it feels similar but it feels kind of different at the same time but uh, Batman and Robin scaling is actually pretty impressive as well. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, not a great game though, mind you. I didn't think it was, uh, it was okay, but it got boring pretty quickly. But the other thing I like about your video is actually the graphical style and the color choices, uh, seem really good. Kind of paint that picture of, um, the, the 80s esque. That's what it's based off of, right? Batman Returns. 
Well, I yeah. think Batman Returns the movie was like 91 okay. or, something, or 92 or something like that. But that's all Tim so. Burton's weirdness, isn't it? Or am I getting my Batman movies mixed up? No, that's right. Okay, yeah. yeah. It kind of captures I mean, they're, that they're, they're kind of dark movies, yeah. But Well, Batman. No, it does. <laughs> it captures it very well. I mean, one of the only issues I have with the Sega CD version is that they didn't really bother to go back and touch up the visuals on the platforming segments. Mm-hmm. So what you have is really smooth, detailed visuals on the driving scenes, and then you go to the platforming segment, and it looks like you have, like, I don't know, just poorly drawn images with lots of, like, background noise, like you'd see in, like, poorly shot photos in the dark, Mm -hmm. you know, it's things like, something like that, it's... I wish they went back and touched up the visuals a little bit, I mean, I know that would have been a lot of work, but, um... You know, whatever. Uh, Batman <laughs> Returns, regardless, is still, like, I think one of the better examples of a uh, Genesis 2 CD port. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got the added driving scenes. It's got the added, uh, the brand new soundtrack. Uh, and it's actually all the sound effects, just about all the sound effects were redone for the CD version as well, which I found pretty interesting. Because a lot of those cartridge to CD games, they didn't even change yeah, the sound effects. Yeah, so, I mean, they at least went that extra step with Batman Returns, which is pretty cool, but... Um, there is this sort of, you know, uh, this contrast from the driving and the platforming segments and it doesn't connect perfectly, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a really cool game. Uh, It's a pretty cheap game on the system, especially if you're just going disc only. And I do recommend you try it out. Um, if you don't like the platforming segments or if you don't like the driving segments, you can actually select in the options menu, whether you want to play the full game or just one style or another like you can just play the platform game or you can play just the driving game which i think was a, an excellent option for them to add so you can kind of customize your experience which is pretty cool and you know sometimes i'll just load up the game and just play the driving segments because i like them so much yeah they're a lot of fun and they control really well you can slam in enemies which does damage you can slam enemies off the road just when you get it just right and they die in one hit um you have different kinds of uh, attack power and whatnot, and it's the music again is is great, and the scaling is awesome. It just all really meshes together really well to make just a really really solid experience. Um, and actually, you know what? Uh, this is I don't want to sound stereo like be stereotyping anything, but when I when I play the driving segments, I almost feel like I'm playing a Japanese developed game. Yeah. You know, that's how good it is. It's It feels polished. really, really good. It feels polished. It feels something unlike what you would usually detail. get from a from an American console developer at the time. Exactly. The bosses are creative. Mm-hmm. Um, like the very first boss is you got this fire truck and these ladders pop out from the side and you have these little clown guys on the ladders. Now, your first... Instinct tells you tells you to yeah it tells you to shoot it but actually you have to run up and knock the clowns off the ladders and then the ladders close in and then they open back up and you have to drive up really quick and knock another clown off all while this main gunner in the center of the fire truck is torching you with a flamethrower uh and so it's really creative stuff in the game and you know when i play the driving segments i feel like i'm playing a japanese developed game even though I'm pretty sure the game was developed entirely in the U.S. So, really good stuff. So, 
Uh, definitely a showcase piece for the Sega CD, at least in terms of the driving scenes. Yeah, so. if I ever do like a best of Sega CD, like, you know, people trash talk it, but, you know, here are five games that really took advantage of it, you know, showed there was more processing power than the Super Nintendo and, you know, showed it was a significant step up over the Genesis. There was, there was a lot. I mean, the Sega CD had its own 68,000 processor inside of mm-hmm. it. It was like, it's you know, faster. technically, it would technically, it was like double. It was like a Genesis times two plus the extra memory the sega cd had uh plus the storage you know capacity of the cd-rom and you know when you combine the power of the genesis with the power of the sega cd it's if you can harness i think both systems to their fullest i think you'd have something that's actually way more impressive than any other cd-based platform on on the market at the time um i mean in terms of like turbo duo and things like that you know I mean, but I don't think it, that that power was really tapped. Maybe in Batman Returns in the driving segment, and maybe in Cliffhanger on the snowboarding segment, uh, maybe in Soul Star, you know. But not really much else took advantage of um, both the Genesis and the CDs hardware at the same time, as far as I can tell. Yeah. I mean, we we had a lot of strictly Genesis to Sega CD ports, which didn't really enhance much. Um. So I think there was a lot of wasted potential, actually, because, again, the Sega CD's got its own, like, powerful 68,000 processor in there. And, you know, it's kind of technically you've got dual processors going. Um, I think if you were able to utilize both of them from the Genesis and the CD, it, you could have had some really awesome results. Yeah. So, but uh, it didn't happen, sadly, but... So, sticking with that, uh, I finally put up a review after, like, three months. Put up a review on the old YouTube of Miracle Space Race on the original PlayStation. Yeah, that (laughs) that game looks terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I was was actually, uh, I don't know why, I was on on Moby Games and I was looking at Atari carts. It was made by Miracle Designs and then... Um, I knew they made the kart game on the new one, um, Merlin Racing. And then I knew they made a couple of the PlayStation racing games. And then after I started doing my research, they didn't really make a few PlayStation games. They took Merlin Racing on the new one, and then they released it. They split it into four parts and released it as four different PlayStation games. Um, so I was able to track down Miracle Space Race, and then that really confirmed it. Okay, there are three of the tracks and all of the characters, and that's the whole game. Um, so uh, it's interesting, interesting enough. I hope it was an entertaining video. Um, but yeah, kind of makes me wish I could track down Merlin Racing on the new one and experience the entire thing the way it was supposed to be experienced. Um, yeah. At a very l- lackluster game, but uh, the graphics are actually really nice. I, I thought they looked really well for a PlayStation game. Yeah, I mean, and what's actually kind of cool is the new one, and they, the graphics actually look better on the new one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, have you ever played, like, um, Diddy Kong Racing on the N64? No. No? Well, it's basically this sort of open-world uh, racing game. Not really open-world, but you start off on, like, this map with a bunch of closed doors around you. And um, you'll have, like, your first race open to you. And, and when you complete a race, you'll get a key or a coin or something like that. And you can put that towards unlocking other races. And there's this sort of pseudo-adventure aspect, trying to find all the hidden items to mm-hmm. open up and unlock all your races. 
And Merlin racing on the Nuon is just like that. Uh, when you start the game, you're plopped into this big castle, basically, with all these locked doors, tons of locked doors. And you've basically got to uh, beat races to get keys and whatnot to unlock later races in the game. And it's it's interesting. Like, when you play a race, you're slapped back on the map where you entered into that race from, and you have to actually drive around, find your next door, open it, and then start your next race. It's interesting. And it sounds like the PlayStation versions lack that completely oh, yeah. because of them being chopped up. So I think some of the depth of the game is kind of... Uh, lost. Mi- well, lost. Missing. On, on these sort of gimped PlayStation versions, <laughs> which is a bit of a shame, but... Um, I wouldn't say like Merlin Racing is like a triple A title in the Nuon. I'm sure Nuon fanboys well, will, or the hardcore hardcore fans games. will tell you. <laughs> but uh, it, I, I had Merlin Racing for a little while, and it was actually a solid little racing game. I mean, the racing parts were fun, the graphics were decent for the Nuon, and um, it was just fun. I mean, it played well. So yeah, it was a Mario Kart ripoff, but you know, it's it was fun. So. But I can't see myself ever owning these PlayStation ones there. Like your video, it almost seemed like the exact same thing happening over and over and over again. The tracks were so Yeah, I tried tiny the editing and, uh, as well to get as much variety as I could. <laughs> and it obviously didn't help. <laughs> yeah, so I assume... The valiant effort, Chris. Valiant effort. Yeah. Well, I found <laughs> since then I picked up ATV Races, um, which is the uh, the four-wheeled, I don't know, four-wheelers, same ten characters, and then I assume just three more tracks that are more or less based on the same environment. Yeah. And then uh, Excess Boat Racing, I'm sure, will be the same thing. Boats, same ten characters, three new tracks. And then uh, Rascal Racers, I'm not really sure what the shtick is with that title, but um, I think what I will do someday, Austin, is I'll do a Miracle Space Race Part 2 review and then review the other three missing pieces of uh, of the game. Yeah. But, I mean, God, the games are cheap, Austin. I think at most you'll spend $5. If you're patient, you'll probably get them for 2 Like, they're worthless. <laughs> but instead of spending $5 on that, you can spend $5 on Ridge Racer Type 4. Eh, I don't like the, <laughs> the 32-bit Ridge Racer games. Ah, whatever. Alrighty. So, I uh, put up a video. If you're into that sort of thing, <laughs> you should check it out. I'm going to just, you know, sit here on silent for the rest of the episode and play the pinball arcade on my newly acquired <laughs> cell phone while... I can't do it. You, I can't game on a touchscreen, Austin. I don't like it. It's pinball on a touchscreen, man. It's a little... It's better than trying to play Sonic on a touchscreen, I'm sh- you know, but... I'd fire up the 360 you have, you have, and do it that way. You have way. two buttons, Chris. You you press the left of the screen to use your left flipper button, and you press the right of the screen to use your right flipper button. Or I could use my 55-inch <laughs> television and press buttons. Or you, I can use my 55-inch television, too, with my smartphone. You can use your 55-inch pinball table <laughs> <laughs> and just play it for real. Yeah, it's true. Um, all right, so moving on, I picked up F1 ROC, Race of Champions, on the Super Nintendo. I was kind of hoping for a, a good Super Nintendo racing game. Um, I played yeah. Road Rash 2 for a while, and I really enjoyed that. F1 Race of Champions uses Mode 7. It's supposed to be more simulator-esque. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It's boring as hell. There's no music in the background, just engine wine. Like, like like most of those Super Nintendo uh, Mode 7 racing games that weren't made by Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even really I like mean, F-Zero, I, I couple, but it's better. But... You don't like F-Zero? Shame on you, man. It's just okay. I'm not a huge yeah, fan. Whatever. You say that because you suck at it. I don't suck at it. I beat it. <laughs> I put in the time. What's, what skill mode did you beat it on? I don't easy. know. Dif- maybe. <laughs> could have been easy. It could have been normal. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I just remember not having much fun. You know what it was? It was the stupid wind. I, I can't stand that. No, oh, that's... Uh, yeah. Suck. It's just awful. Track is. It's bad design. Oh, whatever. <laughs> it's not bad design. The wind is going to blow you off the track. and then You, you don't get blown off the track. You get blown into <laughs> death. That's what happens. Whatever, it's because you suck at the game. It could be. <laughs> it's a tech demo. That's all it is. No, it's a great racing game. <laughs> I think I wrote a uh, written review on my thoughts of that, and I think that's my conclusion. It was a fun tech demo. Terrible game. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Super Mario Kart, which is amazing. <laughs> And That's has tech depth. demo too. It's the same damn mode seven in that game, and you're complaining. <laughs> Read the review. Alrighty. Hey, F Zero at least has two layers of mode seven and scaling. background music, unlike F One R O C. Really, yeah. it's, I was. It's not. It's kind of an uncommon game. The sequel, I think, is a futuristic game, and I see it everywhere. But the, the first F1 one, I don't Rock. see very often. Yeah. But it's not good enough. Just not good enough. Just not good enough. Alrighty. I could keep going, Austin, if you've got pinball to play. I just have three more things on my list. No, go, go, keep, keep going. Well, actually, I wanted to, uh, talk about my Apple Pippin purchase. (gasps) That's pretty awesome. Yeah, sort of. That's, that's enough. I won't talk about it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Are you not ready? No, no, not it's ready. It's like my TI-99. I wasn't ready to talk about it. And then I think I posted a picture, and Austin's like, when did you get this? Like, well, I, see, I was I keeping it under... I I thought that... Uh, yeah, I, I was, was keeping really it under cool. wraps. Keeping it under wraps. So I could, yeah, post some artsy-fartsy pictures of it. <laughs> Anywho, what game do you have on the Apple Pippin? Uh, I have a game called Tropic Island. It's uh, It's a pinball game. Good and uh, yeah, it's I was really surprised. It's actually a really good pinball game. I was really surprised. Is it like a third-person uh, game, or where you're just kind of looking at it top-down? Uh, top-down completely. Okay. And uh, it's only one table, but it's got a lot of different shots. It's a uh, hand-drawn, very colorful-looking game. Um, and what I was really surprised is you can. There's actually a lot of flexibility in the physics. You can do things like well, pinball players will know what I'm talking about, but you can drop catch where you lower the flipper really quick just as the ball, you know, falls down, and you'll basically stop the ball dead in its tracks. Um, you did that in your um, your eight ball video. You didn't call attention to it, but you hit that perfect. Yeah. Um, so you can do things like that in the game, which was actually kind of really impressive because... A lot of pinball games from that time period, you couldn't do more advanced techniques like that. Um, so it's really sweet that you can do that. Uh, it adds just an extra level to the game that you don't really have with other pin- digital pinball games. And it makes it a lot more engaging for me as I don't want to call myself a more advanced player, but I guess 
uh, that's what I am. So <laughs> when I explain these things, that's, uh, I mean, I, you know, I know how to do just about every trick in the book now when it comes to pinball techniques. So, but, uh, you know, having all those like advanced skills and tools at your disposal when playing a pinball table makes it so much more enjoyable for me. So, and seeing it in this really obscure Pippin title of all systems it could have been on, it was on the Pippin. Uh, it was a really fun game. I like the music too. Uh, it's fun multi-ball mode. Uh, I'm going to do a Let's Play on it, so you're going to get to see it in action in the next few weeks. Um, maybe even next week. Maybe this week I'll do a Let's Play on it because um, <laughs> I had a Let's Play ready for Doom last night in the PC, but that ended up not turning out right, so I had to delete the whole thing. Um, so, And I've got a long play of Batman Returns and the Genesis coming up tomorrow. More um, Batman? Yeah, so um, next week maybe I'll do a Let's Play on uh, Tropic Island for the Pippin. So I don't want to really talk about the Pippin all that much because I've been talking about it all week. Uh, if you guys want to see my thoughts on the system, I actually uh, just sort of did a pseudo-casual look at of the Pippin where I just sit in front of a camera and I talk about it and I show you the system and the, the system box and whatnot. Uh, it was really an impulse buy. Uh, I found this Pippin pinball game on eBay. I put a bid down on it, and I won it. And then I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to play this on? <laughs> and then I started looking for Pippin systems, and I saw a pretty good deal. In my opinion, it was a pretty good deal. This guy on eBay was selling a brand-new system for $250 uh, shipped from Japan. And as many of you guys know, it costs 80 to to $100 to send a system from Japan via EMS over to America. Um, so normally what happens is you have sellers listing these things between 250 and 300 plus the $80 shipping. So when I saw it for 250 shifts, I was like, wow, that's, it's, that's kind of like 170 plus $80 in shipping, you know? So, uh, I figured I was going to be saving quite a bit of money. So I went ahead and I jumped on it. Um, because he only had three, and now I think he might even be down to one or none. So uh, I went ahead and jumped on it, got a brand new system, an Atmark system, which is uh, the main Japanese, sorry, the first Japanese model. And so, yeah, uh, that game sort of got me to buy the Pippin. Uh, it was really kind of an unplanned instance. And actually, I think on our last episode, I said I would probably never get a Pippin because... The games library looks terrible, but mm -hmm. here I have a Pippin now three weeks later. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a hypocrite. But uh, apparently you can copy games in the system. So I'm going to be looking for some ISOs. And uh, I know that's not something we normally talk about, but the Pippin games are extremely rare. So whenever you see them, they they tend to be expensive, um, like really expensive. Like I think Shockwave and... Which I wouldn't buy anyway, because I can get it on a 3DO, which is where I'd rather play it, because that's its original platform. But uh, Marathon, the Marathon Collection, which has Marathon 1, Marathon 2 in it, that's really expensive, apparently. So, And I'm thinking, like, expensive as in probably a couple hundred dollars just for that one game. So, Wow. Yeah, not, not really worth messing around with. So I'll try to find games elsewhere via other means and burn them. Because uh, I believe there's no copy protection in the system, which is nice <laughs> yeah. in this case. So, um, 
Kind of a yeah. weird little system. I've only played it once, and I assume I played Marathon. And uh, graphically, it was fine. I don't I don't even remember when the Pippin came out, Austin. 95. Yeah. Mid-95. So it's similar-ish to a PlayStation in power, or at least demonstrated yeah, power. Yeah, well, it's, it's a 66 megahertz power PC processor. It's basically so it should be an much, old Mac. Yeah. Yeah, and it's got... I think it has 6 megabytes of memory, but I think... Uh, I think only like three and a half were available for actual game usage, or that was Apple's recommendation, because uh, there is a couple megs used for the operating system, mm-hmm. um, which is actually kind of interesting. Even though the uh, the hardware is basically an Apple Mac from that time period, um, uh, the uh, there is no operating system on the system itself. The operating system, kind of like the Dreamcast, is loaded off the disk each time you load up a game. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, at least on the Atmark systems that I have, you can't just pop in like a Macintosh game, even though it uses the exact same hardware pretty much. Uh, and it, there is no Mac operating system that you can just install games from or something like that. So there's actually a way to get around that. You can actually turn later model Pippins into a fully fledged Mac from that time period. Interesting. You can put a SCSI hard drive, uh, connect a SCSI hard drive to it. It actually has ports in the back for keyboards and mice and things like that. So you can just use that out of the box. Um, but yeah, you can actually turn a, a, a Pippin Atworld system, which is the later black model, uh, into a fully fledged Mac. And the reason you can do that is this actually has a, the later Pippins have different BIOS revisions that are less restrictive. Uh, the Pippin that I have, the early version has a, it's kind of like a locked system. You can't, it, because of the BIOS, you can't really hook up. Uh, uh, you can't hack it, basically, to convert it into a Mac, which kind of sucks, because that would be awesome to play classic Mac games on my TV. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> don't you have console. an iMac laying around in there somewhere? No, I, I sold it. Oh, that's gone. Okay. Yeah, it, <laughs> took, up, it took up too much space. Yeah. I didn't use it. Um, I wanted, if I had more room, I would have kept it, but... No point. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they're cheap. Nobody really wants them, so I figured... If I get a bigger place for myself down the road and I have more room, I can invest in another one. Um, since, you know, I don't think anybody's going to really care about them. Yeah. I don't know. I've only seen one in the wild once since I've really been looking, and I think it was like 30, 35 bucks. Yeah, something exactly. Like that. I, I sold mine for like 50, and but it had, you know, a keyboard and mouse and the puck mouse as well, and a, a few games with it, so. Uh, yeah. I forgot what else was on my plate. I mean, I know I I played a few games, um, but I mean, mostly this past week I've been dealing with my pinball machine, trying to fix it up. Mm -hmm. Well, we got, um, you did Princess Rescue, which of course is awesome and everyone should buy it. Um, Batman Returns, which is interesting. The Pippin, the eight ball, uh, you got the hammy pocket system. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think I watched a video and I've already forgotten what it is and what it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you forgotten? It's, it's a family. It's a family clone system. Uh, you can plug Famicom cartridges into it. And it's a, it's a portable game system uh, made in. Actually, I, I don't even think it's made in China. It might be made in. It was shipped from Singapore. So <laughs> interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not really a great little clone system. It's. Uh, if you have a large Famicom library, it uh, <laughs> might be worth checking out. But mine wasn't in fantastic condition. It had a dead pixel on it. Uh, it had some weird white 
splotches underneath the screen. It was weird. It was very cheaply made. So, uh, and I've heard other people that have gotten similar units from the same source have gotten theirs in even worse condition. And my box was, it was shipped in a uh, bubble envelope. Mm-hmm. And so it was half crushed when it got here. And <laughs> if you guys want to see that, I actually did a review on the Hammy console, um, uh, about a week ago. And, uh, so you can check that out. Someone on Facebook asked me not too long ago, I have no idea why. It seems some people would rather have a newer clone system than track down an older original system. Obviously, the old ones can be quite unreliable if you don't take them apart, clean off the contacts, or replace the uh, board entirely. I don't know. It seems like uh, people that are less hardcore seem less interested in the original and more interested in just finding a, a brand new clone system they can use. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's I, I actually recommend that to people that want to get into the systems because they can get like a, a two-in-one or they can get a three-in-one. Uh, or in terms of like the new Retron is coming out soon, it'll be like a five-in-one. I mean, <laughs> it, it just gives you more options. Um, and on some of these, like the Retrons, you can use the original controllers, which I think is the most important part. Um I mean, with the the clone compatibility is much better now than it was like five or six years ago. Yeah. So you're still getting a pretty true to form experience in terms of the game displaying properly and sounding properly in your television and things like that. So, um, do you have any that you would recommend, or are you not? I'm like I have no knowledge clone whatsoever. Clone systems. I mean, you would. I would go with like a more modern version of like the Retron Three. Um, because it's got NES, Super Nintendo, and Genesis. Uh, I think the the more modern retro duos are fine as well. Uh, I wouldn't recommend a retro duo from like three or four years ago, but um, you know they're good. So do you usually pick these up or you? No, no, I I just buy them. Um, I I well like right now I have a retro duo hooked up in my main room which allows me to play my NES and Super Nintendo on my main TV. Mm-hmm. So I, I use uh, the clone systems for condensing purposes, like having multiple systems hooked up to a TV where I wouldn't normally have the room to have them all hooked up at the same time. Interesting. All right. So, I mean, and I, I do plan on buying the uh, the Retron 5 when it comes out because it's got NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis... I think it's got Game Boy and even Game Boy Advance yep. on it. So, I mean, that is uh, kind of a big deal to me. Like, I've got the GameCube hooked up out there mainly just for the Game Boy players. So, yeah. <laughs> if I can take that out and take my Retro Duo out, I can just put the Retron 5 in its place. And I'll have the Genesis hooked up out there finally. And so, that's... I don't know. It's really cool to me. Are any so. of them getting advanced enough where they're like HDMI connections instead of yeah, composite? The, 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 Ret- the Retron 5 will have HDMI output. And apparently, I think they're going to go for actual all-out emulation on it. Uh, it's apparently going to be an Android-based system. Hmm. Um, but you're still going to be able to plug your actual cartridges into yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting. Which, yeah, yeah, definitely interesting. Um, so... Yeah, we'll see what happens when that comes out. Hopefully it gets good reviews and, you know, it's it's a worthwhile addition. So I am now the jaded one that doesn't want to use <laughs> a clone emulated system. Well, I mean, there's there's 
uh, perfectly legit reasons for using clone systems. I mean, if you've got the space and you don't mind a bunch of systems hooked up or you don't mind An disconnecting wall. systems. <laughs> well, if you don't mind disconnecting systems all the time when you don't plan on using them, um, you know, going original is obviously the way to go, but um, I don't know. Not everybody wants to do that. Yeah. And it's, I mean, for Super Nintendo alone, it's just like you're going to be paying 50 to $60 yeah. for a system if you, if you plan on buying it online or... Or like if you go to your your local game trade, he probably sells it for fifty or sixty. You know, if he's like any other game retail shop, um, it adds up really quick. And you want to get the extra controller so you can play Mario Kart with your girlfriend or your kids or whatever. And then you want to buy your games. And Super Nintendo, all the games are expensive, <laughs> going up in price. I mean, all the good games people would want, would want to revisit. Like you're not going to see people really coming back to F1 Rock or something like that. But Mario Kart, on the other hand, and Super Mario World, blah, 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 it's it's all going up. And, God, I hate how it's going up the Damn. way it is. It's just buy it's a Genesis. It not any fun. Everything's yeah. cheap. Yeah, buy a Genesis. <laughs> everything's cheap. Even, like, the expensive even like Even, like, Sonic 3 is super cheap on that system. I mean, it's Looking like, at eBay, like, you can get Castlevania Bloodlines for under 30. You get Gunstar Heroes for really cheap. Even the expensive games aren't that bad. Well, I mean, Genesis, I mean, obviously, like the other systems, it depends on whether you're buying them completes or not. And Castlevania Bloodlines is probably more when you buy it fully boxed and everything in really good shape. But cartridge only, yeah, 20 bucks or less, definitely. So, great game, by the way, guys. <laughs> I need to revisit that. I think, did you do a playthrough of that or no? Yes, sir. Uh, I must have watched yours then. Where I'm like, man, he makes it look so fun. And then when I play, I just can't get anything <laughs> to go right. It. <laughs> it's because you don't understand Castlevania, Chris. That is true. You've never really played too many Castlevania games, have you? No, not seriously. I think so. But you should. It's a fantastic series. Yeah, I own it for no reason whatsoever. I should probably play it. Yeah, you probably should. <laughs> all right i'm gonna actually do a, a let's play on dracula x for the super nintendo sometime in the next coming months maybe I, i'm probably gonna wait until october and I, I might actually do a couple let's plays on castlevania games some of the ones i missed out on like i might do uh like a two or three part let's play on dracula x for the sega saturn mm. which is basically the saturn version of symphony of the night um, I figured I can probably run through that game in about three and a half hours, four hours, so I can split that up into three Let's Plays. Um, yeah, then I'll do Dracula X and the Super Nintendo. Uh, do a Let's Play on that. That'll take me about an hour to run through. I've got... And, yeah. um, I need to record... that. What I've got coming up is Super Mario Land 1 on the Game Boy, um, Dr. Mario on the Game Boy, and Sonic 3D Blast on the Genesis. So that's oh, kind of what's cooking up for me. <laughs> Sonic 3D Blast on the Genesis. That's going to be painful to I like play that through. game. Uh, <laughs> you want to know why? Because it's... Well, they should have just not it's had just Sonic in it. They should have had something else in it. It's not bad. I like it. No, it, it's not bad. The I just, music is incredible. The, the, yeah, the later stages, though, just all, are awful in that game. Terrible design. I mean... She wants you to get to like the fireplace, and uh, it's just yeah, I don't know. Says the guy that can one you know complete Ninja Gaiden without dying. No, yeah, the fire and Sonic 3D Blast. Yeah, but Sonic 3D <laughs> Blast had these really 
I don't care about the fire. It's the it's jumping the fact is that, awful. No, it's not the no. jumping. It's the fact that the levels are freaking huge <laughs> and poorly designed. It's as simple as that. Ninja Gaiden, you can beat the game in the amount of time it takes you to get through one of the later stages in Sonic 3D Blast. There's a huge difference there, Chris. So, awful example. You're terrible. I'm terrible. <laughs> it is a... Yeah. It, it's not as good as Sonic or Ninja Gaiden, but it's all right. No, it's... It's yeah. average. It's playable. And the music is incredible. Yeah. Especially... No, that, I mean... Yeah, no, I had to give that to you. It's got a great soundtrack, so... Um, it might not be as good as Ninja Gaiden's soundtrack, though. <laughs> that game has great music, too. <laughs> it does. Uh, I was... I've recorded a playthrough of Super Mario Land before and I've talked about it and then the footage got deleted which is something similar to what you recently experienced but uh, I started playing through it again just uh, for practice to get ready to do a record yeah. and uh, the music's starting to get stuck in my head so I'm looking forward to playing <laughs> through that again yeah it's uh, it's great yeah it's great alright Austin it's let's great. wrap this show up <laughs> yeah we should probably I've, I've got to get going um yeah, I don't want to rush off, but... Um, this is a very condensed, uh, action-filled uh, episode here. So, an hour and ten minutes, and uh, it's absolutely full. And we got to talk about stuff from the 80s, or the 70s, which is pretty sweet. It does not happen often. No, it happens more than some other... Uh, quote-unquote retro gaming podcast yeah <laughs> there's a there I, I have a fun time reading that uh podcast right on atari age every now and then because they talk about podcasts that talk about a variety of generations of games but they mostly ironically focus on modern games it's just like the call of duty podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's you know it feels good every time we go back in time a little bit uh, to kind of fill that void so absolutely but uh no, I'll definitely be working on my pinball machine for, you know, probably, maybe not tonight I'm going out, but maybe tomorrow, and uh, I need to get it leveled so it's playing just right. It's leaning to the left, so that's, uh, yeah, can make things a little frustrating, but... Well, take more yeah. pictures and toss them up on Facebook. I will it with my Galaxy S3. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> nice, sharp pictures. <laughs> um, Alright, guys, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. And we'll see y'all again in two weeks. Hopefully. <laughs> two and a half, three weeks. One week. Yeah, we'll see. All right, take it All easy. All right, guys, we'll take care.